This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Coming to you from the shores of the Indian River on Florida's scenic treasure coast and bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now, Jim Dawes. I'd love to hear from listeners. Shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. Or you can call the vent line and raise hell at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Oh, man, so much news, so much news. I, uh, I spent the weekend getting a, a rental house uh, ready to, uh, to show and uh, wasn't able to catch the Sunday news shows. And I, I'm a better person for it. Uh, not nearly as ready to throw things at the TV uh, with Chris Wallace reading the Democrat National Committee talking points and basically comparing notes with the, uh, the hosts over at ABC, NBC and CBS to make sure that they they're all singing from the same hymnal. But I did uh, get in time uh, to to watch 60 Minutes. And man, we are in such uh, an age of disinformation from the media. Uh, they've all got an agenda. They all um, tow the party line. And it's it's kind of amazing that uh, we were able to pull pu- push through in the 2016 elections and, uh, and elect an outsider to the presidency. But uh, they are really ramping up their effort to try to make sure that he doesn't get reelected so they can get somebody back in there that serves their big multinational globalist corporate interests. You know, I, I thought it was uh, pretty entertaining that uh, CNN spent all Friday attacking Rand Paul uh, because he was critical of Dr. Fauci. He said uh, he wasn't the end all and be all on this and pointed out, that Fauci has been wrong repeatedly again and again. I mean, he's got, he is really racking up a, uh, like an Owen 15 record in all of this. And, uh, and CNN was very triggered that Rand Paul had the nerve to criticize their, their voice from on high. Um, despite the fact that, you know, Rand Paul is a medical doctor. He, he is a optometrist. Uh, and he is a physician. He's had the virus, so he he's speaking firsthand in a way that uh, uh, you know most people don't. And after spending all Friday afternoon criticizing Paul for for uh, daring to question Fauci, 
CNN then hosted a town hall with none other than Greta Thunberg, the 17-year-old Swedish climate activist, uh, speaking on that panel. <laughs> so, you know, they're, they're triggered that a, a U.S. senator that's also a physician dares to question their chosen one, Dr. Fauci, but then they turn right back around and put Greta Thunberg, who apparently is not even going to school, spending her full time, uh, you know, campaigning on climate change, which she also knows nothing about and has no qualifications to speak. But it just uh, it just, you know, illustrates how. How lost CNN has become, uh, how unmoored from reality they have become. And we've got uh, we've got some segments later on in the show on uh, on Tater, Brian Stetler's um, meltdown in regards to, uh, you know, continuing to be called out as fake news. But uh, I want to talk first about a, a story coming out of, of China. This is a story cl- uh, carried in the Global Times. Global Times is a wholly owned newspaper by the Chinese Nationalist um, Communist Party. And, um, and apparently they're very dissatisfied. They're very unhappy that the United States isn't taking the beating of this Wuhan virus uh, sitting down and, uh, and that you know, displeasure in Congress is starting to boil and people are starting to uh, talk about sanctioning and, uh, and getting reparations from China who, who obviously purposefully allowed this virus to spread to the United States. And, uh, China for its part is, um, imposing sanctions on, uh, United States, Lawmakers and the districts they represent. Specifically, they're targeting Josh Hawley of Missouri and Tom Cotton of Arkansas, who have been two of the most outspoken uh, outspoken uh, legislators to to call for decoupling and reparations. And uh, and there have also been several lawsuits filed against China, actually against the Chinese Communist Party. You can't sue a country, but you can sue the Chinese Communist Party, which is a a private entity. And some lawmakers uh, in the Congress have introduced bills to make it easier to sue the uh, Chinese Communist Party and even even uh, China itself. But um, China is uh, is now imposing sanctions on lawmakers and threatening to punish the states that they represent. It's pretty interesting. I think if, uh, if China wants to engage in uh, a sanctions contest, that's just fine by me. It will um, accelerate this move to decouple. It was foolish for our globalist leaders to ever uh, couple the United States economy and make it so dependent for its uh, goods and services from a Chinese dictatorship over in Australia, they are really uh, being punished by the Chinese uh, in just shortly after the, uh, the virus was discovered to spread human to human. Australia closed its borders to, from travel to China, which included uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of Chinese students that come to Australia to be educated. 
and um, and China is now threatening Australia uh, to cut off purchases of, uh, of agricultural products and, and other uh, services that they get from China. They basically want to turn Australia into a vassal state. There was a um, an Australian senator named Conchetta Feverati Wells, who is uh, calling for reparations from China, despite the fact that China is uh, is already trying to punish Australia for closing its borders. Let's find this clip. Indicating since early April, it is important for Australia to act upon those things which are within its control, namely a plan for reparations and a plan to decouple from China. That absolutely needs to happen. Western governments throughout this world need to take the rose-colored glasses off and, and realize exactly what you're dealing with when you enter into these deals with the devil trading with a communist dictatorship. But I mentioned, um, I mentioned that, uh, excuse me, that I had uh, been able to catch 60 Minutes last night. It was really amazing. Um, they had a guy on named Bill McGibbon. He's an author, and uh, he's saying that uh, we need to take this opportunity, he calls it, um, of the Wuhan virus to pursue the climate change agenda. Now, you've got two major government boondoggles. One is the lockdowns and the stimulus packages for this Wuhan virus. And then you've got the Green New Deal, which these climate activists want to take their opportunity to forward. And so 60 Minutes trotted out and uh, and put this guy Bill McGibbon on to make the linkage and make the case that one of the silver linings, I guess he would consider it, of the Wuhan virus is that um, it gives us an opportunity to move forward in eliminating fossil fuels. We've spent the last 7,500 years really fixated in our country and increasingly around the world on economic growth as the reason for all being. And, you know, for the most part, that's, at least for a while, that worked out pretty well. A lot of people were pulled out of poverty, whatever else. (laughs) Whatever else. Whatever else. A lot of people were pulled out of poverty and whatever else. This is a Marxist speaking. Uh, The environmental movement uh, morphed into the global warming crowd. And it all originated as a a Marxist tactic uh, to try to uh, destroy capitalism and free markets. But we've begun to sense the limits of that, too. That's why the temperature keeps rising. Look no further than what's happened during the crisis. The shutdown to industry has offered a glimpse of what collective response can look like. He's talking about the Wuhan virus crisis. Arundhati Roy's India is home to 17 of the world's 25 most polluted cities. And not coincidentally, the world's fastest growing major economy. What is it normally like in Delhi? Well, normally it is dystopian, you know, especially in the winter months. Sometimes that smog is not just outside your house, it's inside your house. Okay, so uh, they're talking about India now, which doesn't have uh, proper regulations uh, limiting pollution, air pollution and water pollution. And so um, they're going to make the case that uh, instead of, you know, having clean burning 
uh, energy like the United States and other developed nations do, that we just need to eliminate fossil fuels altogether. Inside the rooms, you know. So that's how terrible Delhi is. And suddenly we are just seeing blue skies. Oh, we've got blue skies. And it's like this from Shanghai to Secaucus. By circumstance and not design, a glimpse of life with fewer fossil fuels. And already, the clean and quiet surroundings have found favor with wildlife. Let the wildlife out. Lock the people down. What does that tell you about the Earth's ability to rebound and snap back? Well, maybe we still have a window to, to take a step back. And if we do, maybe the Earth will meet us halfway. And when... People say, we need to get this economy restarted. We need to jump back on planes. This climate change, that can wait. What do you say? Well, it obviously can't wait. you got to pay attention to reality or else you end up getting bit by it and bit pretty hard. You know what kind of reality you could get bit by is if you just shut the economy down and keep issuing paper fiat money from the government to try to provide for people. We've seen again and again in Zimbabwe and uh, pre-World War II Germany and Venezuela. What happens when you just try to print your way out of these uh, economic um, ditches that socialist and Marxist policies drive you into? 60 Minutes is all on board with it. I want to remind you real quick before we get back to 60 Minutes. To go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com and get your four week emergency food supply. Save $100. It's normally $297. You can get it today for $197 and get free same day shipping. So, uh, it's got a shelf life of 25 years. It's got 2,000 calories a day, breakfast, lunches, and dinners, drinks, and snacks, 284 total servings. And 12 varieties of food. Get yours today at preparewithmojo50.com and save $100 and get free shipping. So what's some of these other stories? Oh, yeah, 60 Minutes had uh, Jerome Powell on at the same time they uh, they had their Marxist climate activist on. And Powell is uh, obviously the chair of the Federal Reserve. He's saying that uh, we can we can just print our way out of this and, you know, maybe we'll pay the money back someday, but we won't have to worry about uh, we won't have to worry about it now. I would say, if I may, that um, policies that that help businesses avoid avoidable insolvencies and that do the same for individuals, keep workers in their homes, keep them paying their bills, keep families uh, solvent. Among the options, extending the increase in unemployment benefits, which expires in July, and supporting local governments, which are struggling with a collapse in tax revenue. Powell believes trillions in additional federal debt could be paid down over decades. He's talking about 30 trillion. The U.S. has been spending more than it's been taking in for some time, and uh, that's something we're going to have to deal with. The time to do that is when the economy is strong. When unemployment is low, when economic activity is high, that's when you deal with that problem. This is not the time to prioritize that concern. We have the ability to borrow at low rates. We have the ability to service that debt. And I would say this is the time when we can use that strength to our longer-run benefit. He's talking about 
pumping $30 trillion, an amount that's larger than the existing federal debt that we took 250 years to run up. I think it's uh, after the first stimulus, about $25 trillion. You can't even imagine a thousand million dollars, I guess, is one trillion. But um, I mean, we are truly in the stage now where the cure is going to be worse than the disease. The the people in Washington seem to mismanage every crisis and every issue <clears throat> in the worst possible way, and they've done it again with this Wuhan virus. It was easily managed to begin with. All you had to do was lock down the vulnerable populations, and you know who they are, and uh, let everybody else go about their business, develop herd immunity. And once that happens and the virus stops you know, being able to spread, then you let the vulnerable out. But instead, we've issued these disastrous lockdowns, and they are just printing money. The, they, they, they're just throwing it out the window. There's a a story that's uh, coming to light. I wonder if I could find it where um, (laughs) the Nigerians are getting in on the action and uh, have, have hit the federal unemployment benefits uh, with these fraud operations to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, when you're talking about the kind of, kind of amounts, you know, 3 trillion, uh, 2 trillion, you can't possibly administer that in a way that prevents fraud. Here's a story from The Hill on this uh, Nigerian dipping their beak into the stimulus bonanza. The Secret Service has detected a large-scale foreign attack on the U.S. unemployment system that is processing record numbers of jobless claims amid the pandemic, according to the New York Times. In a Secret Service memo obtained by the Times, the agency described the attack as a well-organized Nigerian fraud ring that could lead to what are described as, quote, potential losses in the hundreds of millions of dollars. The attackers are reportedly using previously obtained Social Security numbers and other personal information to claim unemployment benefits. The enormous volume in jobless claims has overwhelmed state unemployment systems. The attack adds yet another obstacle as state governments work to send out unemployment benefits in a timely manner. In timely manner. They can't handle the 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 rush, the absolute volume of these unemployment benefits that have been required. So uh, 60 Minutes, back to 60 Minutes. They also had on this uh, this Rick Bright, the fired and disgraced head of virology over at the CDC, who was just determined uh, to prevent anybody from being prescribed uh, hydroxychloroquine in response to this. Now, hydroxychloroquine at this point is the most uh, studied and validated response as a treatment to the Wuhan virus. But the people in charge seem oddly determined to stamp it out so that they can put forward their their plans for 100% vaccinations of the whole world and this resmed... Res, res, <laughs> I never can pronounce it. Resmenivir. I know that's not how you pronounce it. Um, that you know, is under patent and will, uh, will result in billions and billions of dollars of, uh, pharmaceutical company profits. Rick Bright appeared on 60 minutes and 
he was basically just uh, doing his best, you know, to participate in this resistance against Donald Trump by uh, by slamming the response to something went wrong to the Wuhan virus. The entire leadership was focused on containment. There was a belief that we could contain this virus and keep it out of the United States. Containment doesn't work. Well, if containment doesn't work, then why have you got everybody locked in your home in their homes, Rick Bright? At the same time, they've got uh, tax-paying, law-abiding American citizens locked in their homes. They're releasing criminals and demanding open borders. Yeah, um, containment would have worked if China um, not allowed hundreds of thousands of people to travel from the affected areas in Wuhan while telling the world that the virus could not transmit human-to-human, that they knew better at the time. Containment does buy time. It could slow. It very well could slow the spread. But while you're slowing the spread, you better be doing something in parallel to be prepared for when that virus breaks out. That was my job. Bright says he was well-equipped to do that job because just five months before the new virus... But he wasn't doing his job. He had been there for um, almost a decade before he was relieved because he was um, so so determined to weaponize the virus uh, for political gain. And uh, and the the cupboards were bare, so to speak. Uh, The the stockpiles, the national stockpiles had been depleted by the Obama administration and never restocked. But now he wants to tell us we could have uh, used the time between about uh, January 15th when it was learned that it spread human to human and uh, January 30th when Donald Trump stopped travel from Wuhan. Virus emerged, his and other key agencies had concluded an exercise titled Crimson Contagion premised on the exact idea of a fast-spreading virus originating in China. What did Crimson Contagion teach you about fighting pandemics? What were the lessons? There were lessons about shortages on critical supplies, such as personal protective equipment, such as masks, N95 masks, gowns, goggles. And there were lessons about the need for funding. You would practice this. We had drilled. We had practiced. We'd been through Ebola. We'd been through Zika. We'd been through H1N1. This was not a new thing for us. Okay, so if you had practiced it and you drilled, why didn't you sound the alarms about the shortages of these protective devices? Everybody wants to blame the Trump administration for that. Oh, man. All of this is starting to look more and more like it's um, not only been weaponized after it broke out, but um, actually designed to collapse Western economies and, uh, and put Bill Gates in charge of the world. He is, you know, despite the fact that he has no public health or, um, or medical uh, uh, epidemiology um, qualifications. He's being turned to as the end-all and the be-all on the response to this virus. 
see if I've got time for this clip here. No, we don't. We're gonna, this is a long clip that uh, talks about Bill Gates' history of predicting these viruses and how he's going to weaponize it to basically control the world's population in the name of population control. He's, he wants everybody to be, uh, have a chip implanted in them with their entire vaccination, uh, history. And let me just say this, this, the deeper you dig into Bill Gates prescriptions and his, his motivations, in this latest epidemic, the more you learn that um, they predicted this, they had uh, everything in place to take advantage of it in order to control the world's population and to try to implement their population control agenda. Got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll hear more on Bill Gates and his motivations regarding this. We'll take a look at Nancy Pelosi's stimulus package, and we'll catch up on the latest from the Russia hoax. Stick with us. We'll be right back after two messages right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Stick with us. As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an American nationalist perspective. So this stimulus bill, this, the Democrats passed it. $3 trillion, 1,850 pages, the longest, the biggest piece of legislation that has ever passed one of the houses of Congress. I don't think that it stands much of a chance in the U.S. Senate. It certainly would not get a passed a veto in its current form. But this is the, the Democrats' wish list grab bag, a, a payoff to all of their identity politics constituencies and all their big donors. At one point uh, in the debate, the Republicans put forward a motion that would have stopped stimulus checks from going to illegal immigrants, and the Democrats blocked it. 
I think they allowed a couple of their Democrats uh, not to have to walk out on that limb, but they they blocked a motion to prevent people in the country illegally from getting stimulus checks. Not the, just the uh, new twelve hundred in this bill, but a retroactive payment of the twelve hundred dollars that was included in the first phase two stimulus bill. That's the Democrats want to want to give them retroactive payments. And, you know, it's hard to arrive at any other conclusion than the Democrat party is now, um, directly in opposition to Americans and this nation and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, survival. Not only do they want open borders and let people flood in to the country illegally, but they want to give them taxpayer money. You think that might be a little bit of an incentive for people? I mean, it's an incentive just that they they put it in the bill and blocked it from hap, uh, from being removed. If you're sitting in some third world <laughs> crap hole and you see that you've got one of the major parties that represents about half of American voters that are wanting to give you money. If you can get to the United States, what other what other conclusions would you draw that they want you to sneak into the country? They want to spend U S taxpayer dollars on illegal immigrants. And every dollar that they spend on that is, is a dollar that they take from American taxpayers in future generations and that can't be used to get Americans back to work. This is such an insane $3 trillion proposal. Newt Gingrich pointed out that there are 68 references to cannabis and its legalization and marketing and, and uh, you know handing out uh, protected uh, 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 sales regions to their preferred constituents basically legalize the the um, the distribution of marijuana there were 68 references in it in the bill but only 52 references to jobs so at the same time they're basically trying to destroy America they want to they want to drug Americans so that uh, their impulse to resist will be um, eliminated. I've got a clip here. This is Nancy Pelosi defending this boondoggle. Um, I think she is appearing over on uh, CNN with uh, Jake the Fake Tapper. We passed four bills, all of them part bipartisan. This is the fifth bill. And much of the essence of this bill, the three pillars, have a provenance in the previous bill. It's got a provenance. We have had state and local in there. We've had direct payments to people and unemployment insurance to people. And we've had 
testing. Our first bill on March 4th was testing, testing, testing. Our most recent bill that passed had $25 billion for testing. So all of these spring in a bigger Checks way, there nonetheless, non- because there's a bigger commitment to testing and to meeting the needs of localities. So, it, the, again, it's all been bipartisan. I hope that it will be. I think there's great bipartisan support. Throughout. She knows it's not going to be bipartisan, and she knows that uh, she's only talking about the things that in this bill that don't make the Democrats expose them as being, um, you know, putting illegal immigrants before American people and trying to implement these um, these vote by mail schemes that will ensure that they can cheat as much as they want to. Three trillion dollars. I've got a clip here. It's sort of a long form clip. This is a. Uh, John Stossel, he's talking about the the bailouts and the danger that they represent to the future of this uh, this American free enterprise economy. Largest stimulus bill in U.S. history. For once, Republicans and Democrats were in agreement. It was 96 to nothing. He's talking about the first $2 trillion stimulus. In the Senate. And the House didn't even bother with a formal vote. The motion is adopted. No committee hearings. They didn't even have to come to Washington to debate this bill. They applauded themselves. Only a few expressed objections. $75 million to NPR, you know, public broadcasting. Ridiculous. $25 million worth of funding for the Kennedy Performance Arts Center here in Washington, D.C. Shouldn't that money be going to masks? The Kennedy Center has suffered greatly because nobody can go there. It's essentially closed. And they do need some funding. And I said, look, that was a Democrat request. They they took that funding that they so desperately needed, and they turned around and gave $5 million of it back to the Democrat National Committee. It's sort of a kickback. Well, it's not sort of a kickback. It's an actual kickback. The Dems put in this $25 million for them, and they turned right around and handed $5 million of it back. Yes, that was not my request. But you got to give them something. Something they got. $25 million for congressional salaries. $50 million for a museum. Few politicians ask, How do you pay for it? We're going to borrow it from China? We're going to borrow it from Russia? We're just going to print the money? Good questions. Our national debt is already almost $24 trillion. Now it'll jump, percentage-wise, to where Greece's debt was just before unemployment there hit 27%. The feeling of hopelessness here seems to be spreading. Greece was bailed out by Europe, but the United States can't be bailed out by others, so how can we pay off our debt? There are really only three options. Default, print money, or raise taxes. Raise taxes on the rich. You can tax okay. billionaires. We need to tax the billionaires. But that wouldn't solve the debt problem. Not even, even close. Even if we took all billionaires' wealth, it would only cover about an eighth of our debt. So others on the left now say, don't worry about debt. Just print money. The U.S. government can never run out of dollars. The federal government prints dollars. Bernie Sanders' economic advisor says... That debt clock shouldn't alarm us. It's meant to scare people, right? The national debt, tick, 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 tick. There's nothing to prevent the federal government from creating as much money as it wants to and paying it to someone. These people are so stupid, it boggles the mind. The reason we're able to print money in this country is because we have the reserve currency in uh, in the world, 
And the reason we have the reserve currency in the world is because the faith in the dollar. But if you flood the market and you make, basically make those dollars less valuable or at some point worthless, then that's how you end up like Zimbabwe. Belief, now called modern monetary theory, has destroyed lives in many countries. Zimbabwe is a recent example. The dictator just printed more money. That meant you had more money chasing the same goods. More money chasing the same goods meant you needed more dollars to buy the same stuff. A batch of tomatoes will cost me 10 million Zimbabwe dollars, and a packet of onions will cost me 30 million dollars. The faster prices rose, the more money the government printed, and the faster prices rose. It got so bad that a $100 trillion bill was worth only about 40 cents. On the economic disaster in the once prosperous Southern African country. Inflation also wrecked lives in 1920s Germany, Argentina, Russia, and Venezuela. Finally, there's choice three. America could just default. But that would eliminate the savings of everyone who invested in America. And it wouldn't solve our problems. When Argentina defaulted, its economy fell apart. <laughs> Unemployment reached 21%. Once you're deep in debt, none of the options is good. How did we fall so deep in debt when for years politicians have said they'd reduce our deficit? We have piled deficit upon deficit, mortgaging our future and our children's future. We must act today in order to preserve tomorrow. We got to deal with this big long-term debt problem or it will deal with us. But they didn't deal with it. They just talked about it. Take out a credit card from the Bank of China in the name of our children, driving up our national debt that, that we are going to have to pay back. That's irresponsible. $20 trillion. It doubled under President Obama. Looks like it's going to double under you, too. And if you include the current stimulus, it's increased even faster under Trump. It's not compassionate to bankrupt America, but that's the path we're on. Congressman Warren Davidson's a Republican. But that's your party doing it. It's not one party. You didn't get $23 trillion dollars in debt because one party's good on the issue and the other isn't. I interviewed Davidson before the pandemic. You voted for some spending bills, billions for the FCC. Why do we even need an FCC? Well, who else would be able to regulate speech if there wasn't an FCC? Right, we don't need an FCC, <laughs> and you voted for this bill. Well, you don't get a vote for uh, precise things very often. There are things in these appropriations that do need funded. At least Davidson usually votes against big spending. We are on a path to bankrupting our country. We are. But today, most politicians only talk about spending more. Making sure that we spend the kind of money we need to spend. We have to do more. A new stimulus package. Two trillion dollars. We redo our roads, our highways, our bridges. Well, like I say, it's hard to arrive at any conclusion other than they're, they're purposely trying to destroy this country. And I don't know if we're going to be able to climb out of this. I'm trying to imagine what would be uh, the fallout. And I think it would be the disintegration of this republic. I think some of these states would, would go their own way and try to enact the uh, the vision of the founders with a free enterprise system and, you know, protections for individual liberties. And some, the blue states, would um, would just collapse in Venezuelan-style Marxism. 
Hey, I want to remind you to go to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. And get yourself a, one of these t-shirts I've got up there to mark the day when, uh, when this country fell under this, this, uh, this Marxist regime in response to a virus that was unleashed upon us by communists. Go to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. I got a t-shirt there that says, Failing to Prep is Prepping to Fail, and a Country Boy Can Survive. And that, uh, that may be exactly where we end up. You get free same-day shipping if you go to AmericaFirstRadio.shop and get one today. So let's catch up on the Russia hoax. I got a call from TechRu up in Montana who uh, who is talking about this notion that's been that was put forward that the Russians wanted they preferred Donald Trump be elected and uh, I pointed out that it made no sense for the Russians to want Donald Trump when they were getting everything they wanted from Hillary Clinton. Here's what TechRu had to say about that. Take two. This is TechRu in Wyoming, and I get a kick out of these people. Wyoming. I uh, think the Russians were you know, plotting to get Donald Trump elected over Hillary Clinton for president. It was uh, under a Barack Obama with his Secretary of State, Hillary Clinton, that uh, most of the, right, the rights to most of the uranium in Wyoming was sold to Russia. Uh, so, therefore, why would the Russians prefer Donald Trump, who isn't going to do that, over Hillary Clinton, who could, hey, sell more rights to more uranium to them. Um, that's it. Have an excellent day. Great call from TechRu. Remember, he does not have a pouch, but um, he's there in Wyoming. He's got a Senator um, Barrasso, who's been a, a, a solid um, case for uh, sanity in all of this. Barrasso is now calling for uh, Joe Biden to testify before the Senate. He, he most certainly should be required to do so. Um, and he ought to be asked, you know, what did you know about these, uh, these Flynn uh, spying on Michael Flynn and the other spying that went on? And, um, and why did you just prior to the inauguration, just days before, fly off to Ukraine, and who did you meet with there? Was that an effort to try to um, cover up your, your son's uh, corruption with Burisma? Was it uh, your effort to try to cover up the, um, uh, the Democrats' Um, the Democrats' collusion with the Ukrainians on smearing Donald Trump. Joe Biden unmasked Michael Flynn the same day that the story was leaked to David Ignatius over at the Washington Post. And uh, Barrasso pointed out in a clip that I cannot find that uh, Joe Biden loves to talk. It was, uh, it was, I think it was January 5th that Biden requested this unmasking. And again, I have to stop and explain the misconception that is just permeates the media that an unmasking is just revealing somebody's name in a conversation. That is not the case. 
If it were just the name, it would be easily deduced who was talking and who they were talking to. Um, and there would be no reason to unmask. The unmasking reveals the U.S. person's side of the conversation. These maskings delete or redact all of the U.S. person's side of the conversation. And if you want to know what he said, he or she, then you have to do this unmasking. And I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm just apoplectic that these people on TV continue to say he unmasked his name. He didn't unmask his name. He unmasked his side of the conversation, which is supposed to be protected against unreasonable searches and seizures because American citizens have Fourth Amendment protections. On a positive development, uh, Richard Burr, the disgraced and totally worthless chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, stepped down uh, because of this uh, stock sell-off probe where he was caught liquidating his entire stock portfolio shortly after getting a, a classified briefing on the Wuhan virus. He has now stepped down, and hopefully they'll put somebody in there that um, – that will uh, actually get to the bottom of the Russia hoax. I cannot find this clip from Barrasso of Wyoming. So uh, Barack Obama gave a graduation speech over the weekend. And oh my goodness, the, the mainstream media just swooned. Oh, he's so articulate. He's so full of empathy. Dan Rather took to Twitter and said, watching President Obama's graduation address tonight, I think I finally understood Obamagate. It's the scandal of having a president be able to speak with empathy, humor, insight, and inspiration, and and incomplete and coherent uh, sentences. (sighs) Dan Rather is what the communists used to refer to as useful idiots. And uh, the media is shot full of them. You're not allowed to question uh, Barack Obama or his history. He is, in fact, the son of a communist organizer out of Chicago named Frank Marshall Davis. When he writes in the dreams of my father, he's talking not about the Kenyan goat herder. He's talking about Frank Marshall Davis. And there's an excellent uh, documentary out there. I think you can watch it free on YouTube called Dreams of My Real Father that will explain all this to you. But here's a clip from, um, from Obama's graduation speech. Doing what feels good, what's convenient, what's easy, that's how little kids think. Unfortunately, a lot of so-called grown-ups, including some with fancy titles and important jobs, still think that way, which is why things are so screwed up. <laughs> things are so screwed up because uh, we've allowed a, uh, an anti-American Marxist cultural Marxist party that's uh, headed by and, and uh, constructed by Barack Obama to, uh, to rise to power in this country. Here's what Trump had to say in response to, uh, to Obama's criticism in that graduation speech. Uh, I think a lot of things have happened. Very good. Very, it was a working weekend. It was a good weekend. A lot of very good things have happened. What about Obama's comments? Obama 
Look, he was an incompetent president. That's all I can say. Grossly incompetent. Thank you. Well, you believe he's incompetent only if you don't understand his real motivations. His real motivations were the famous fundamental transformation of the country. And that fundamental transformation uh, was to push it away from free markets, away from individual liberties, and toward uh, Marxism. And, and that fundamental transformation was, uh, was supposed to be continued under Hillary Clinton. You hear the same, uh, same phrase used now by Joe Biden. He wants to fundamentally transform America. Well, if you want to fundamentally transform America, you really, I guess, don't, um, don't support America in its, uh, its traditional forms. Poor Tater, poor Tater over at CNN, Brian Stetler, looks just like George Costanza, but uh, I, I kind of like the nickname Tater. He, um, he, he was playing over the weekend this, uh, this clip from Long Island where um, Trump supporters uh, were gathered to try to talk Andrew Cuomo into reopening the economy in New York. And this uh, this media reporter was uh, was treated kind of roughly. I say treated kind of roughly. He was insulted, and uh, people uh, were expressing their displeasure. And um, you know they they were kind of rude. They were calling him the enemy of the people, and uh, fake news. And Tater took to his Twitter account, and he says this crowd didn't reflect all Trump supporters, nor did it reflect all Long Islanders. But these behaviors toward the news media, the intolerance, the indecency have been modeled by Trump for several years. So this is coming from the same network, CNN, that had no qualms about Antifa donning masks and uh, attacking, assaulting people uh, who you know, were expressing their political beliefs setting fires, attacking police officers, overturning cars. You had Chris Como, the, the Fredo of the Como family, actually, and Don Lemon as well, defending Antifa. But now that um, conservatives and nationalists have gotten so sick of this fake news media and are starting to verbally abuse the media when they show up, now it's... It's something has to be done. Did anybody notice that uh, Hillary Clinton and and other Democrats were very quick to label uh, reopen protesters as terrorists? And it reminds me how they used to hate to use that term terrorism. It was they were quicker to call. Um, reopen protesters terrorists and they were to ever call the actual terrorists terrorists there's a story out of parkland of the the place where that uh, school shooting took place by dominic cruz who should have been expelled from that school uh years before in parkland actually it's uh, broward county they have rehired one of the deputies that hid behind his squad car for over 10 minutes while the shooting went forward. So this was another of these deputies that shrank 
from the line of duty. He was a sergeant. His name is Brian Miller. He was fired for failure to act at the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School because he hid behind his squad car and even failed to, uh, to adequately call for backup for a solid 10 minutes. He put on his vest, hid behind the car, and didn't bother radioing in anybody, just hid there. And he was fired for cowardice, as he most certainly should have. Well, now he has been rehired, complete with back pay. Here's a uh, report on that from the local, I think it's a CBS affiliate in, um, in West Palm. A PSO sergeant who lost his job after the Parkland school shooting is being reinstated and receiving his full back pay. The deputies union just held a news conference on this decision just a few minutes ago and Local 10 News reporter Ian Margle was there. He joins us live from Plantation. Fill us in, Ian. So Sergeant Brian Miller was the first supervisor on the scene at Parkland, at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, the day of the shooting. He was there early enough to hear gunshots. But his actions or his inactions led to him being fired just about a year and a half later by Sheriff Gregory Tony. Take a look. This is a picture of Sergeant Miller and a court. So he's going to get one hundred and thirty seven thousand dollars in back pay. And the citizens of Broward County are going to continue to pay his salary and his benefits and his his retirement. When they know for a fact that this is this guy is not up to the job. He has proven himself to be a coward, and yet he's still on the uh, the taxpayer's payroll. Broward County stinks. It's another of these uh, these Democrat-controlled cities that are just a, a, a mess. So there's a, there's a movement afoot now um, by, led by the Trump administration to try to force the United States Postal Service to actually charge market rates to Amazon and these other uh, online retailers uh, instead of allowing the taxpayers to subsidize the destruction of, uh, of their local retailers. And they're out with an ad, and here it is. A lifeline to rural communities, powering cities. Americans rely on affordable, reliable package delivery from the United States Postal Service. But politicians in Washington want to impose a massive package tax, a 400% hike, quadrupling the price to mail a package. Okay, first of all, it's not a tax. It's just a mandate that they actually charge market rates. Amazon is up to renew their contract. But they go on in this commercial to say that it... uh, it protects Main Street, which is exactly the opposite. By being able to give free shipping, Amazon and these other online retailers have just devastated Main Street America with malls across this country and Main Street businesses closing down. And it's all been facilitated by this uh, this giveaway by the United States Postal Service. Well, that takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now with Jim Dawes. I want to thank you for joining us and hope you'll come back here again tomorrow right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. 
Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva paper towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet in your new home. For an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home.